Today on Locked On Canadians, the Habs finally win, and that game was good. However, there's a whole lot of not good going on around the league. Plus, part one of our mailbag, you sent us so many great questions that we had to split it in two. Your Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. episode 513 of your first listen of the day it's locked on canadians and we are brought to you by omaha steaks the holidays are around the corner and finding the perfect gift is tricky omaha steaks makes it easy to send friends and family an unforgettable gift guaranteed to be loved go to omahasteaks.com and enter nhl into the search bar to order the perfect gift package my name is Laura Saba. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matlet. Scott, there is so much going on right now. Yeah, uh, the Canadians won a game, chief among them, and that's mind-blowing to me, but they did so in a game where they played well for 90% of the game, and What's it that? was... Yeah, I don't know. It was weird. I, I watched a game where they tried, and it, I don't know how to process it, to be honest with you. It, it was a fun game. It was a fun game. If they had lost that game in overtime, I would have been like, well, that stinks and moved on. That is how I want the Canadians to play games, even if they lose. There was structure. There were breakouts. There was good goaltending. The power play looked good. It was everything you want out of a team that even if they're not going to win, they played well. And honestly, had they lost, no complaints. They won. I have no complaints. Overall, Pretty good Thursday night in uh, Montreal, minus the lack of fans in attendance. And we do have to talk about that, and we will. But first, let's highlight the positives in the game. Now, obviously, we talked with our friends at Locked On Flyers. These two teams are struggling, but the Canadians made this game fun. I think that they played well, you know, from, from there were pockets of mistakes, I would say. But overall, they played well. They kept trying. And this is really funny because I love PJ Stock because he's a nice guy. I usually disagree with literally every opinion he has. However, in the post game on RDS, he was talking about how there were three teams on the ice. There were the Philadelphia Flyers, there were the veterans, and then there were the young players. And the young players really brought it tonight. And I am going to say, and this is going to be probably the first and only time in my life that I'll say this is that I fully agree with PJ Stock. It, it was a wild game because, yeah, the young guys shined for the Canadians tonight. Cole Caulfield played arguably his best game of the season. Mike Johnson and Brian Mudrick were giddy watching him play because he looked engaged. He was creating chances, creating shots. He was doing everything that you want a young player to do. Caden Primo between the pipes was so, so solid. He looked dialed in and the Flyers scored two goals, yes, but Primo was locked in against a very dangerous Flyers offense there. Nick Suzuki looked good. I thought Jake Evans looked good. And then Laurent Dauphin, Jesse Yolanen, and Jonathan Drew, and that line just continues to work against all logic and everything else. And they got the tying goal for it. They got rewarded for hard work. All these little things happening are, are are part of a process, and that process was working tonight. Younger guys, older guys, Ben Sherratt's overtime penalty was 
a stroke of tanking genius, except the Canadians decided they weren't losing tonight. So it is what it is. But honestly, it was a really strong performance in a game where both teams are injured, beat up. Everything that's happening around them is happening. And everything kind of went their way when it needed to. I'm hoping that this is the start. And I said this so many times, keep doing things like that. You're not going to win them all, but if the effort's there, it makes it a lot more palatable for fans watching at home. It's true. And we all did watch from home. Uh, The Canadians announced before the game that public health has asked them to have the game behind closed doors, i.e. closed fans. Uh, It was kind it reminded me a lot of the I guess it was just last season, the COVID uh, season where they had the North Division and most of the teams didn't have any fans in the in the stands. It was a very odd game and it, it feels like that kind of made the Canadians a little bit more serious on the ice. There was a meeting before, after Jeff Petrie's comments, there was apparently a meeting after that last game. I don't know what was said. I don't know what happened. I wondered at the time if it was just a coach asking his players not to undermine him, but maybe they had some sort of a, whatever you call it moment, because it did seem like they seemed a lot more focused in this game. They seemed a lot more uh, I would say a lot more enthusiastic might be it. You know, they've, they've lacked energy that we've talked about how they lacked energy. I've always argued though, that it's because they didn't know what they were doing and not because they didn't care. And so I think that the little bit of a jump maybe is a confidence is, is a level of confidence that they had tonight that they don't normally have. And again, it was the young, the young players that led this team, which for us, we're watching them and we're hoping they rebuild for us is a positive. This is what we're looking at. This is what we want to see. And I think that's just it is that we wanted positive steps forward. And that's what we got tonight. It, I, I, I don't think we're crazy for having wanted to see some kind of process in place here. Like everything that they did tonight was with a purpose. I saw Kale Clegg attacking through the neutral zone for 50, 50 pucks. I saw them hammer the front of that. And I mean, they made it real hard for Carter Hart to breathe in the first period the shot map from natural stat trick was hilarious because it was two little point shots and then just a blob of Canadians red right in front of his net. And you know what, if you're missing your skill guys, you're missing some of those players that attack from range here and there it's you do what you can. And they did that. They went in with a game plan. Like we're going to simplify, we're going to attack the front of the net and they're going to be dirty. It's going to be greasy, but that's how we're going to do it. And they stuck to it. The defense made smart pinches. Plays were all there. Everyone did their job tonight. It felt like everyone was pulling in the right direction. Even the power play didn't score, but it was good. The penalty kill was good. Everything clicked into place. And that kind of process, when you're all pulling in the right direction, coaches, players, everything, it's going to work out just fine, even if there's losses. That's exactly it. And we we are expecting losses. But at the same time, what we're expecting right now, where we don't know what to expect in the immediate future of these games, because the NHL protocol list is growing. The players are getting a little bit vocal about it. Public health measures are are, are changing around the cities that, that these uh, arenas are in. We're going to talk about that in just one moment. But first, we're literally arriving at the holidays. And have you decided on all your gifts yet? I've got the perfect gift if you're still looking for something that will blow your loved ones away. 
Omaha Steaks makes it easy to send friends and family an unforgettable gift guaranteed to be loved. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter NHL into the search bar to order the perfect gift package. For $99.99, you'll get 24 entrees like the famous bacon-wrapped filet mignons, chicken breasts, sides, desserts, and so much more. When you use code NHL, you also get an additional eight Omaha Steaks burgers free with your order. We've all heard the reports about shortages and shipping delays, so don't wait. Order the perfect gift package today at omahasteaks.com and you'll get eight free burgers when entering the code NHL. Achieve gifting greatness with Omaha Steaks. Incredible flavor, incredible value, and 100% guaranteed. omahasteaks.com, keyword NHL. And while you're out there deciding what gifts to get, hint, hint, Omaha Steaks, you might be gearing up for the holidays and getting really stressed out and getting really, really tired. Well, guess what? Try Built Bar. It is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and it will give you the energy you need. I myself have been rushing around running all kinds of pre-holiday errands and I have been really, really tired and stressed as of late. And honestly, the Built Bars are what is getting me through the day. They're all high in protein, low in sugar, extremely delicious. They've got 18 delicious flavors, but right now they've got so many holiday themed special edition flavors. It's insane. Literally just try a Bilt Bar. It will pick you up. Not only will it give you the energy, but it will also just make you feel better. It will cheer you up. It's delicious. You could try Bilt Bars at Bilt.com with the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That's Bilt.com promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Thanks as always for making us your first listen of the day. Now, normally this would be the point where we start the mailbag, but we've got some important things to talk about first. However, uh, we are going to have some of our mailbag questions today, and then we're pushing some of our mailbag questions to the Monday episode because Mondays suck. And so if you have, if you've asked us anything to do with goaltending, then that question is being pushed to Monday so we can have a nice little goaltending themed episode and all the other questions we'll be asking today. But first, we got to talk about, first of all, how many players are there on the NHL COVID protocol list? I have literally lost count. I, I do not know. I stopped trying to count when I left work. And by the time I got home, the Bruins had 11 players on the list, I believe. They played 11 and 6 tonight with their goalie. The Colorado Avalanche played with 11 forwards, five defensemen, and one goalie with an e-bug tonight. It's a really bad outbreak. Luckily, it's, I believe, mostly confirmed to be the Omicron variant of things, which is less severe symptoms, but its ability to spread is greater than the previous ones and the Delta variant, which was more severe symptoms. And the NHL right now is just seems content to plow ahead with things here. The Canadians announced a few hours before puck drop. They weren't playing in front of fans due to the spreading cases in Quebec. The Laval Rocket are playing in front of no fans tomorrow at Place Bell. And the Canadians and everyone else do not know if they are even playing on Saturday at this point. And there's a quote from Jonathan Drouin to RDS after the game in which he says he doesn't feel comfortable facing the Bruins on Saturday night, given that there are several cases of COVID within their squad. This is not what we were told at the beginning of the year with the vaccines. It's really not ideal. And it's really hard to fault him on that because 
you're, we're watching the spread. The Bruins have, or the Bruins, the Flames, I believe, have two healthy players on their lineup right now. Most and of their staff members are also infected. It's not good. Like, the Predators tonight were missing players. And before the game, uh, Elliot Friedman mentioned that the Avs were given the choice to play or not. The Predators were not afforded that same question. And I really do wonder what the NHL is doing here. It feels like they're throwing things at the wall and hoping it doesn't get worse. And honestly, uh, you had players like Nick Cousins who were tweeting, he's like, just pause the games until after Christmas. This is ridiculous. It At some point, the PA has to step in, right? Like, I assume this will go to a player vote. If the players say, we want to put the system season on pause, they will. And how do you plan day-to-day when you're not even sure if you can go to the rink? Like how many morning skates have been practice and practices have been canceled because of this. I don't want them to cancel the season or put it on pause for a lengthy amount of time. But right now with how bad this has gotten, you have to look at doing something like that. Players are getting sick. Coaching staffs are getting sick. And what happens when you have packed arenas full of fans, like the Canadians are the first team to play in front of no fans this season. What do you do when you have an arena with 20,000 people in it and this variant that spreads so easily? It's it's a real tough situation all the way around. And sooner or later, someone has to be the adult in the room and go, hey, enough is enough. We're, we're pausing this until we get this sorted out. Marissa and Jemmy, a good friend of the show and a beat reporter at the Seattle Times, uh, has confirmed that in the last four days, 60 NHL players, this does not count any of the staff. So 60 NHL players have entered COVID protocol uh, in the last four days. But more recently than that, the I think the Los Angeles Kings announced that Drew Doughty was in the COVID protocol. Kale McCarr is now in the NHL COVID, uh, COVID protocol. This is clearly like a rapidly transmitting, spreading uh, virus and, and or a variant. Right now, we don't know specifically if each of these players has the Omicron virus, but it's a variant, but it's something that uh, public health experts are saying is much more, trans- it's like 70% more transmissible than the Delta variant, which was very severe. So like, why would you want to play? Like, why would any Montreal Canadian right now want to play against the Boston Bruins who have people who are, who are in COVID protocol today, but two days from now could have more people on there? Like, all these people have come into contact with each other. They've been in the room. And there's like, there's a reason why every time you hear that a player has, has entered protocol, another staff member or another teammate has also entered the protocol on their team because they spend so much time in close quarters. And the thing is, like the situation changed maybe at the beginning of the season, as Jonathan Duran said, like with the vaccine and everything, like there was a there was enough safety that they would come into relatively little contact if everybody else was following those protocols, right? Like anybody who came in contact with them had to be vaccinated. Uh, Everybody had to wear masks. They were doing testing every three days uh, instead of every one day, like they were before. Like there was, there, there were measures and things like that, that that were taken that might've been an effect or that might've been effective, sorry, at the beginning of the season, but now there's a new variant. Things have changed. The NHL has to change with it. Today, public health in Quebec, the, the, the premier announced that they're going to start taking measures uh, to limit contacts between people. Like they're not completely shutting everything down, but they're trying to limit contact between people. And they're saying the next few weeks are going to be crucial. Well, the NHL might need to cancel for the next few weeks. Anyway, there's a pause uh, for Christmas. 
they could just extend that pause a little bit. And, and at some point, we keep talking about the Olympics and whether they'll get affected or not. But right now, we're not even, we can't even think about that. Like right now, we're literally talking about a disease that is spreading so far amongst these players right now. We could be in a completely different place in a month and a half. But I think at this point, the NHL has to, like, I fully expect that at some point, like in the next day or two, they're going to just pause the season for longer than we thought. They'll make up the games later. And, and that's the thing is like most sane fans and players are just going, we want to pause, like let this spread die down. That way, even if players are testing positive, you're not risking, you know, players who aren't positive or symptom asymptomatic one day going into practice and it continues and it continues. You got to eventually, you know, cut the head off the snake here. And that's these guys being around each other and being in the locker room and on the ice and et cetera, et cetera. Like just, you know, do the right thing here. You want to go to the Olympics? You need to put this on pause because if this spread continues like it is, every team's going to have like 10 guys on the COVID list. And you have teams that can't call players up because they don't have the money for it. And there's no taxi squad or anything anymore. So it's like all of it's, I don't want to say an unexpected mess because you always ran this risk in professional sports with COVID around there. I just want people to be healthy. We've seen players who can't play this year because of effects from COVID. How many more need to have that happen before the NHL does something, you know, be proactive, not reactive to things. And I know this spread started rather quickly, but it's not the first outbreak this season. The Islanders were canceled games earlier because of it. Like just do the right thing here, you know, keep everybody safe. And I know I'm saying this because now it potentially impacts the Canadians, but you got to do something sooner or later and do it now. You have the Christmas pause. Like you said, if you still want to go to China to the Olympic games, and you want to do all this other stuff. You can't do that with an outbreak like this because you're going to have guys who have to quarantine for how many weeks once they go overseas to play these games. It's, it becomes a lot worse if you leave it unchecked now instead of doing something about it. Yeah. I'm just going to take issue with one small thing that you said though. It's like, like you made it sound like you only care about it because it, it's the Canadians, but you've been talking about this for many, many episodes now. So I don't think that, you know, like, yes, yeah, it does I, affect the Canadians, but um, yeah, sorry. I, I, yeah, I don't make it mean to make it seem like I only care about it because it's impacting the Canadians, but now it is on directly on the Canadians doorstep. So it brings a more right. focused view to that. I don't want to seem, uh, but you don't, I, that's the thing. Cause you accuse yourself of that, but like, <laughs> I like, you know, anyway, all this to say is that, uh, there's one more thing that Dominique Ducharme said that he made a good point is that if we have any concerns over the next few hours, I imagine Jeff or Jeff, <laughs> there's two Jeffs now will speak to the league. So he's answering a question about, you know, uh, the Bruins. So my understanding from what he's saying is that if he or the players are worried, then they'll, uh, let management know and management will probably speak to the league about their concerns i won't uh i find that we have enough things to take care of on our side than to manage the covid of the other teams that seems to me i don't know if he's being snarky towards the 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 person that asked the question that seems to me like he's directing it at the nhl where it's like the nhl has to manage the covid on other teams not not um you know, it's not up to it's, it's not up the, to the Montreal Canadiens. The NHL should know better. And he's expecting or he's saying that if we have any concerns and it looks like Jonathan Drew has concerns, you know, I feel like I feel like Molson or Gordon should talk to the league because 
at some point, somebody has to put their foot down. And right now, public health is saying, please don't have people at the games. They haven't even said anything about the Bruins game. Like they were asked, like I was listening to the to the public health briefing today. They, they got asked about the events of the weekend and they said, we don't know yet, but they will, uh, they will allow, they'll tell everybody shortly. But I, I cannot imagine that uh, the game will have fans. And I truly have a hard time believing that between now and Saturday, the Habs aren't going to put their foot down and say, please, can we postpone this game? Uh, and I think if the Habs ask, they, they'll listen. Or if, if the Bruins ask, if both of them, like they're both two really influential teams in this league. So at, at the very least, I do expect that game to be postponed. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to turn our attention to a little bit more fun things. And the mailbag is coming up in just one moment. But first, Bet Online has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to receive your bonus. That's right. If you use our promo code locked on, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on whatever you deposit. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, so what have we got in the mailbag this week, Scott? I'm going to start with our questions in an email from uh, Jason. Uh, and he has two questions for us. And the first one, when is the last time the Habs carried out a full rebuild and how successful was it? So I looked this up because I did not know. And they never explicitly carried out a rebuild, believe it or not. I also think that they accidentally uh, were bad I, in the 90s and the, the early 2000s. I don't think that they were purposely tanking. Uh, but I, I truly honestly couldn't find a moment where they purposely openly tanked. I would say the closest they've come was when Bergevin took over after the 2011-2012 season. And they kind of cleaned house on coaching staff and everyone there, but I don't think they've ever, like you said, have gone full rebuild because as bad as they've been, they've never been so bad that they couldn't rebuild. Like the 2011, 2012 year was a lot like this year in that they were injured to all hell. And they had guys like Mike Brown and Brad Stobbitz playing, you know, regular minutes and it wasn't great, but yeah, I, I don't think they've ever gone full rebuild, at least not in my lifetime. Um, and I don't think teams really tanked in the past. They were just bad. And then they traded people and got good. Uh, I don't know. So, uh, and the second question from Jason, can you break down the penalties fines Nashville would face if Shea Weber retires? Could the Habs use it as leverage? And I know we've talked about this a lot. I believe after this season is over, because Weber is on LTIR, the Canadians are not on the hook for any part of his contract if he retires, which means over the length of time in Weber's contract, the 24 million or so that has to be paid out would be dispersed over the remaining years. So the closer it gets to the end of his deal, the more of that $24 million that he would be owed. So if he retires in the last year, uh, Nashville is screwed. Even if he retires in the last two years, Nashville is screwed. Uh, if the Canadians, 
So, I have go a ahead. question. Okay, sorry. Yes. So, like, this is something that you explained to me before. So, like, the longer he waits to retire, the more Nashville is on the hook, right? I thought it was the other way around. No. So the later in his contract, he retires because it would be all that has to be paid out at once because it's a lot of signing bonus money and other stuff. I believe. Let me oh. open up cap friendly real quick. Okay, but now the I understand why, but the later it gets into his contract, the more money that they would, that he would owe Nashville. So let me go to injured reserve, long-term injured reserve, Shea Weber. Um, so yeah, he has, because of the way his contract is, he has a total salary of a certain amount, but he has a base salary. So from, let's see, where are we here? 21, 22, he's owed $6 million this year, 3 million, 1 million, 1 million. He's a back diving contract basically. So to pay out the value of that, it's as far as I understand it, Nashville would be on the hook for whatever's left that he's owed, which could be up to $24 million because of a retirement. It's a cap or capture basically. So if Nashville is smart and for whatever reason, Weber's going to retire or the Canadians want to do something with that, um, they have Nashville pretty much over a barrel where they go, okay, well, we have Weber and if he retires, you guys are paying him or we can send him back to you and you guys can put him on LTIR retirement, basically a long-term injured reserve still and not have to pay out that contract and pay him regularly on LTIR. So it is a double-barreled shotgun that if Jeff Gordon and the new GM really want to do that, they have no loyalty to Shea Weber. Shea Weber was Mark Bergevin's, you know, uh, hill to die on. If they wanted to, and I have no reason to think they wouldn't try this, they have Nashville over the barrel, more or less, after this season. The Canadians won't know anything if Weber retires, um, but Nashville has to worry about that looming threat the entire time, basically. That is incredible and mind-blowing, and I feel like the Canadians can have some fun with that. Uh, I do think there was an organization they would want to do right by Shea Weber, even though he really was, uh, you know, Mark Bergevin's guy. I think that, you know, he's, he's, he's the kind of player where an organization would really want to do right by him. So it would be up to him. They'd probably do the right thing. But at the same time, it, they could probably, they could probably get something out of Nashville and then he can, you know, retire or go on LTIR in Nashville. But the only question is, if they wanted to bring it, him back in a front office capacity, would they still have to, would he have to retire in order to do that? Because I feel like Chris Pronger worked in the NHL, even though he wasn't technically retired for See, this very reason. That's the thing is like, cause the NHL just makes up a bunch of bullshit as they go anyway. So like Chris <laughs> Pronger was getting paid by like six NHL teams when he retired and still was on the Coyotes roster on LTIR. And they were like, yeah, you can work for us. Like, yeah, exactly. So that, that's the thing. Is it just, is it only valid for Chris Pronger or is it everybody else too? You're going to tell Shea Weber he can't do something? I don't think so. You thought Chris Pronger was mean. Shea Weber's, you know, you He's know. He's going to kill you with a stare. Yeah, pretty much. I And I also think doing right by Shea Weber might be allowing him to go back to Nashville to say, you know, have his, you know, final days as an active, active in quotation marks player be in the city that he, you know, started his hockey, his pro hockey career in. So it'll be interesting because I do think Jeff Gordon will have those discussions. Same. He'll, he'll probably have them with Carey Price too. And everyone else. Like, I do think those are things that are going to happen. It's not going to happen this year, but I wouldn't be shocked if they do it in the off season or something similar. Once everyone is settled. That's definitely conversations to be had. All right. What do we have next? That's not goaltending related. 
uh, from at K Chirps. My seven-year-old niece, they played better because their mean fans were gone. We had just been discussing the booing and Jersey gate. Thoughts? I think they played better because they were playing a shitty team. No, I, I think uh, I think that uh, honestly, I feel like the fact that the fans weren't there might have been less pressure on them. But I also do think that after what Jeff Petrie said, whatever happened in that meeting, maybe maybe they ripped paint off the wall, screaming at each other. I don't know. Uh, I think that that definitely had something to do with it. Also, the young guys right now. I don't know if a conversation has been had. Or there's been a sense that, that Jeff Gordon's like taking stock of what he's got. Uh, but it seemed like the younger players were just especially motivated. Yeah, I I mean, we make jokes because they went to two deep, decent playoff runs without fans in attendance for most of them. So, like, I get it. I think this was more like a, hey, enough is enough kind of thing. Like, after that last game where you have the Petrie quotes and everyone's very frustrated – I don't know if they went in the back alley behind the bell center and just beat the crap out of each other or what, but (laughs) whatever it was, whatever therapy these guys went through in those, in the 48 hours since that last game worked. I don't care what they did as long as it was legal and didn't do anything wrong. Good. Like I said, if you lose games like that, who cares? That's fine. You know? So I I think this was, that was a tipping point where they went, if we're either going to try here or it's going to get worse. And I don't think anyone wanted it to get worse because it's hard to feel worse than it did after last game. We have a question from Cole. Just imagine it's a clean slate next season. Shane Wright, among other new additions, are on the team. What's our record through the initial 15 games? Through 15 games, I think the Canadians, uh, assuming that they're still in rebuild mode, but they have some good new pieces, I feel like it's going to be one of those where there's some awkwardness at the beginning, but it won't feel like this season's first 15 games. Uh, I will say that they go eight, six, and one. I think it depends on who's on their roster, who is new to the team, who is gone, because there could be a lot gone. You could be missing Jeff Petrie, Brendan Gallagher. We know Ben Sherratt's gone. Is Carey Price here? Is Jake Allen here? Who is here? Just have fun, Scott, and say something good. (laughs) Wow, I'm being attacked all over, and it's almost my birthday. How dare you? Honestly, Um, I just want—I just want to say that they could win some games. I here's the thing: is I do think they could, and I do think if they are bringing this team back, sans just Ben Sherratt and maybe like one other person, I think a record of something like seven, three, and. Hold on, I can do the math here. Seven, five, and three or something similar is within reason because they are still rebuilding and they're going to have some flaws. But I do think a winning record is very much plausible here. All right, how much time do we have left? We've got time for one or two questions if we're fast. Well, let's do the Nemesis question because Zachary gave us a very deep question that I'd like to do a little bit of research on. So we're going to, and that doesn't count all the goalie questions, which we will include on our goalie centric Monday episode, because who doesn't love goalies from our nemesis? If you had to make a living solely from being a professional bowler or a professional darts player, which would you be more likely to succeed at? Oh, I am terrible at bowling. I don't, I I don't know if I'm good at darts. I don't think I've, I've, I've played darts in a very, very long time but I'm really bad at bowling. See, like I've had good games of darts and I've never had a good game of bowling. I really, I think I would pick darts 
just because like I feel like I would be able to train myself to be a, a lot better at darts at my current age than I would bowling because bowling just seems like physics and I hate physics and I don't fully understand it and I know Will's gonna let me know that I'm gonna pick darts just because I British people tweet about it a lot and it feels like every time <laughs> there's a sport that British people tweet about a lot there's money to be made whether it be golf or tennis or soccer or f1 I don't know about cricket, but you get my point overall. So I'm going to pick, I would pick darts. Oh yeah. I'm picking darts too, because I know I'm really bad at bowling and there's a possibility that I would be good at darts. Also, there is a scene in Ted Lasso with darts that I'm very excited for you to watch, Scott. I know you're still not on the Ted Lasso bandwagon, but you will be soon. And as soon as you are, I'm excited to discuss the darts with you. Well, I will have to check that out when I get like four seconds. Well, if they cancel all the games, it's not going to matter. I'm going to have all the damn time in the world to watch whatever I want. So <laughs> locked on Ted Lasso. <laughs> I mean, positivity, memory of a goldfish and all that, right? Be exactly. a goldfish. <laughs> yes. All right, then. That is the mailbag or half of the mailbag for this week. Tune in on Monday where we have all we answer all of the goaltending questions. There may or may not be a game that we recap. We don't know. In the meantime, make sure you are subscribed to or you follow this podcast wherever you get podcasts. You can find Locked On Canadians on YouTube now. So please subscribe. We'll be posting our videos really, really soon. We'll start doing our episodes on YouTube as well as the podcast. Uh, if you would like to find us on Twitter, we're at LO underscore Canadians. If you would like to email us, we're at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. Scott's on Twitter at Scott Matla. I'm on Twitter at The Active Stick. And if you liked this podcast, please check out Locked On Bets. They've been killing it lately. And you will be too. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you on Monday.